This is Southeast Asia Crossroads, an educational podcast from the Center for Southeast Asian Studies at Northern Illinois University. I'm your host, Eric Jones. Join Ganjana and I as we sit down with Philippe Bacom, director of the International Institute of Asian Studies in Leiden, Netherlands, and discuss the fortunes and futures of the study of Asia. Well, welcome once again to Southeast Asia Crossroads. Today, we're fortunate to have with us Dr. Philippe Pekam, the director of the International Institute of Asian Studies, and also in, in-house is Ganjana. Hello. Welcome, Philippe. Thank you. Welcome. We're glad to have you come, and we've provided you with typical Dutch weather. It's nice and overclassed. We had some I'm rain. Honored. Thank you very much for that. We try to have our guests feel as comfortable from as possible. possible. Yeah. I was missing the weather, so I'm very glad that you did this for me. <laughs> yeah, we, we, do, we do our best. We roll out the red carpet here. One thing you're here on campus to promote is the International Institute of Asian Studies and many things that it's up to in promoting in interesting and novel ways, the the study of Asia from a global perspective. So maybe for our listener, tell us what the IAS is, and then we can get into some of the things that it's up to. Okay, the IAS is the International Institute for Asian Studies, which is based in Holland, in uh, in a small town called Leiden, which also happens to uh, house the most, I mean, the oldest university uh, in the Netherlands and in uh, Northern Europe, let's say. So um, IAS was, is a recent institute. It was set up in 1993. And uh, as its name uh, indicates, International Institute for Asian Studies, it is meant to try to uh, address or to engage with Asian uh, studies and Asia uh, in an international way. So though it is a national institute funded by uh, the, 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 the Ministry of Education of the Netherlands, uh, its mandate is uh, broader, and we can work with many partners in Asia and beyond in the service of promoting Asian studies. So when you say an international way of doing it, when one thinks if, if for right. a listener who is not in area studies or Asian studies, doesn't area studies or Asian studies almost assume an international uh, approach? So how... How does the international part of the institute get manifested in the activities? Yeah, well, you're right. Uh, uh, but uh, you have to see that uh, the way Asian studies were conceived, uh, uh, in many ways, were conceived in, in, in Western uh, terms, Western environment, in, in Western universities, first in Europe and then in the U- United States. And so to think in terms of international uh, international perspective on Asian studies, it means that you can open it up uh, in the global context. And, and, and the other thing is, I would say is that we are called international in the sense that IS is based, wants to be based on, on networks, on transnational networks with Asian partners and beyond. One of the things that I thought was interesting listening to you speak and knowing a little bit about the interactions of the IAS and its activities is the emphasis on decentering knowledge production. What are some classic configurations of how knowledge is produced on Asia and maybe some thoughts about the way that IIAS tries to do that differently? Uh, okay, uh, for instance, just take uh, Leiden University, where we are based, I mean, close 
by uh, to Leiden University. Um, it started very much in uh, as uh, Leiden University's interest in Asia started from a very, uh, I would say, local interest, which had to do with uh, Bible studies, uh, the studies of scriptures. So you start with Greek, you try Latin, and then Hebrew, and then you go on. Uh, and and uh, and then later on, uh, the Dutch uh, development uh, of trade across the the world and especially in Asia with the, um, the VOC or the Netherlands uh, East India Company, uh, Leiden University became again, uh, I would say, um, an instrument to to um, develop uh, knowledge for for, for a national purpose for a national for local purpose interest. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, purely central and centered uh, interest. Now, it con I would say the same about most institutions in the West, uh, uh, including in the U.S. Uh, the interest of Asian studies in the U.S. very much uh, started with uh, the, the Cold War uh, or after the end of the first, Second World War. So um, what is different in, in IS is from the, the beginning, it decided to... Um, though it will be based in, in a Western uh, environment, it will try to build its uh, activities, its projects with Asian partners uh, in Asia and always in collaborative terms. So, uh, and that's why the International Institute is, is important as a term. So when you say collaborative Right. How how does that actually get implemented? It's and as I think as scholars who've attempted to or have collaborated with others in di varying degrees, and I think with the complication of maybe uh, the post-colonial context, how how does the institute ensure even-handedness or the balanced um, representation in such partnerships? Okay, of course, uh, I would say it's always a bit, uh, I mean, the, the concept of, of equal term uh, in, in partnership is never perfect. Uh, it's an aspiration. It's an aspiration. Right. At least uh, it's a goal. It's a goal. <laughs> it's exactly. It's an, uh, we often, I would say, uh, the very fact that we are based in Europe and that we want to engage with Asian partners from an Asian point of view, people will say, why are you interested in us? Why you make all this effort into trying to work with us <laughs> right. on something in Asia? And, and they, they've got a point. Why? They, they are not trying to do that in, in, in Europe or in... in okay. So um, I, would, I would argue that, well, yes, this is true. And this is... We have, in many ways, we have to deal with, with uh, our history. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, we want to do it in a different way. And, and we don't want to establish or set up the agenda of our collaboration, but we want to discuss with you how to frame an agenda that would be of interest and value for you and also of, for us. So, uh, and then we, there are formats of activities, formats of interaction to make sure there is an equal uh, or more than equal, because in many ways we have often much more uh, uh, Asian or uh, input than we would have from uh, Europe or from the Netherlands. And in many ways, if you look at all our programs, 
there are not all not many uh, European or Dutch uh, participants. <laughs> so mm, okay. sometimes uh, we have to make sure we also have some participants from these these places. So it starts with a, a dialogue. Yeah, it starts from a dialogue, and it starts also from an, uh, an aspiration for, I would say, or, or an anticipation for uh, um, a reciprocate mm, model. Mm -hmm in which, for instance, we are helping and encouraging our colleagues in Africa to develop their own capacities to work on Asia without Europe. But in the context, in the situation, the, the, uh, the, the, the current situation, there is no yet the capacities in Africa as an institution to, to have this network. So The infrastructure is not help, there yet. Exactly. Right. We will help with our infrastructure, with our network, but we certainly don't want to set up the agenda. To the outsider, they might look at your your program, the list of conferences, the list of collaborators, and they might think, okay, this is an International Institute for Asian Studies, but you have all of these partners in Africa, you have all of these partners. Um, so what is the, I mean, I think I have, I, I think I agree with what you're probably going to say, but uh, uh, how, does, how does having African partners help change the traditional discourse of what Asia is, either from the Western side or from the Asian side? Uh, well, it goes back again with to the, the issue of, of uh, knowledge production and the interest on Asia and the, the definition of what is Asia, which is, as we know, since uh, Edouard Said and other people, has been largely framed uh, through a, a, a Western uh, lens. So the very fact, and, and we talk about Africa, but it could be also Latin America, mm -hmm. it could be the Middle East, or what we, the Arab world rather than the Middle East. Um, but um, uh, in the case of, we chose to have another alternative perspective and what we call an axis of intellectual interaction. And for that, we thought of Africa because we are, for many reasons, including very uh, practical reasons, we thought we could start with uh, working with our colleagues from Africa. Uh, but ultimately, the point is that we anticipate that there will be other forms of int intellectual interactions from Asia to Africa and vice versa that ultimately um, will enrich the way we as Westerners also engage with our colleagues from Africa and from Asia. So at the end, I think it's a win-win uh, 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 deal. Do you see what I mean? Yes, yes. Yeah. We're your target audience. <laughs> huh? We're your target audience. You are? <laughs> yes, I yeah. think so. Yeah. <laughs> I think so. Good. We're just sitting We're here nodding. Yeah. Yes, yes. The, the listeners can't see us nodding, but okay. we definitely are. Um, one of the things that you mentioned uh, earlier is the idea of doing transactional work. Right. So I, I was talking about uh, interdisciplinary work. And then you mentioned, well, actually, it's, it's, it's transsectional work. And how has the involvement of non-academic yeah. uh, perspective enriched what it is that IIAS tries mm. to do? And, and maybe some uh, some examples that. Well, OK, I, I would say transsectorial. Oh, sectorial. sectorial. Pardon sectorial. me. Yeah. Uh, um, well, Take the the uh, the case, for instance, of people working on on urban planning, on 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 uh, uh, urban development. Uh, these people have generated a lot of local knowledge themselves. They engage with local situations, context, and uh, in many ways, they 
their work is not, uh, and their perception is not incorporated into our own uh, 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 way of appreciating uh, urban urbanization, for, for instance, in Asia. And likewise for them, uh, they may uh, act without uh, the kind of necessary, pro uh, I would say, problematization. Uh, maybe I'm a bit too French in that, but uh, <laughs> uh, the, the, the questioning of how and why they're doing this, and for whom. And that's where I think it, there's a, a disconnect. And we see it in many contexts, including in our own context, whereby you have technicians who do things uh, and, and that are, they are recognized uh, by the states and so on to do things, uh, but they don't necessarily have um, taken the time to engage with people who have been thinking about uh, the context, the reason, the meaning of, of these actions. And, and in, in the case of urban planning, we know what's happening, for instance, in China, uh, these new cities built mm -hmm. from scratch in the middle of formerly uh, rice paddies, uh, that are some of them are ghost cities. Uh, what will be the impact? What will be the, the social impact for in the next 20, 50 years? How the people will be living there uh, will uh, will grow as as communities? Isn't, isn't there an entire Paris that's built in in China that's a that's an empty city? Yeah, there are. There's a lot of crazy things going on there. There's a lot of empty cities. There's a lot of. Uh, uh, well, but you talk about Paris, uh, you know, Paris is a good example of, of uh, areas that were developed uh, at some point in the 60s by planners with the best intention and which have led to the ghettoization of, of communities and their social disenfranchisement, uh, which leads to now to many problems. And, and, and you can imagine that in China and, and other parts of Asia, uh, you will come up to this kind of uh, situation unless... From the start, you want to engage people with their different expertise, including historians, anthropologists, uh, linguists, who can also contribute. So it's to, that. to get it's to get those people who we might say traditionally the, the humanities with the people who are maybe planning cities and architects and have them in the same room and part of the same conversation, as as well as some of the civic yes. interest groups, right? The actual people upon whom... Okay, that's an, absolutely. That's another dimension. You're right to mention. Uh, um, it's the... How... I mean, the, at some point, uh, I've seen uh, in, in, in terms of the way I've been involved in, in developing activities, programs, that if you really want to uh, be inclusive and you want to make sure that what you do is relevant and meaningful as an academic uh, and also as a citizen. Um, you need to engage with the people who will be directly concerned, impacted on, on, on the, the whatever you want to study and, and, and work on. So um, in that sense, there is a, a necessary need of inclusive democracy. And, uh, and it's not something out in you know in the air this this idea of democracy but and it seems so redundant to have to say that inclusive democracy it has to be yeah exactly <laughs> we've we've lost maybe the the the, the, the meaning of the of people have a say <laughs> the democracy right yeah. something like that yeah yeah but i mean uh, a lot of you know uh, talking again about uh, cities and urban uh, a lot of uh, the the residents 
the, the users of, 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 of these spaces need to be incorporated, involved in the process. And, and, and in many ways, again, this is the role, I believe, of, of humanities uh, people who are always there to try to uh, infuse meaning and to question and to help move forward uh, any forms of activities. They need to, they will necessarily uh, at some point ask themselves, for whom? We need to put the humans back in exactly. humanities. Yeah. So, so that Whoa. requires involving <laughs> the, uh, the human, as you right. say, the, yes. the, the human dimension. Right, right. And hold, hold on. Yeah, yes. I'm a historian <laughs> primarily because I don't have to deal with a living. I could just, I just, they're all dead. I just go into their <laughs> papers. I don't have to, you know, research permissions. Yeah. Lingu linguists do the same thing. We we have somehow managed to study language without involving any humans yeah, at all whatsoever. Yeah. So it's much work. <laughs> no, I I understand that uh, it's a uh, it's an escape and it's a comfortable escape. I mean, I also love to go back to 1920s Saigon, you know, <laughs> Vietnam, <laughs> and and to dwell in into the the atmosphere of the time. Sure. Join us on October 28th and 29th for the Council on Thai Studies Annual Meeting, or COTS, as it returns home to Northern Illinois University. For more information and to register, please visit our website at www.niu.edu forward slash C-O-T-S. See you there. some of the involvement in whether it's UNESCO or, you know, historical memory and preservation and mm. heritage, you know, quote, unquote, mm. I'm making air quotes now, heritage, what that means. You know, so th these are, you know, it's also a fiction that it's somehow history is dead or removed, that, that what it means is, is highly subjective. Is history a bunch of heritage, a bunch of buildings? Mm. Is it the, the descendants? Is it their... Their it, stories and their right. co their culture. Is it the people that built them. The memories, yeah. exactly. Right. The life around them, and uh, yes, well, I mean, first of all, the notion of heritage. This is a good example. Uh, it is very much. Uh, it's a it's a new notion, coined by the state. There are many, uh, uh, I think, uh, theories on that, but uh, it is clear that. Uh, from the 60s, 50s, for some reason, many objective reasons, uh, in, in a number of contexts, uh, the state decided to promote and to, um, to the, the use of notion of local folklore, local uh, uh, traditions, and they use the, 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 the term of heritage. Uh, uh, a good example uh, is uh, in, in Vietnam, for instance, um, the, the Vietnamese uh, current regime uh, uh, has uh, somehow uh, always tried to, to uh, prop up its, its own legitimacy, especially upon uh, people who, you know, didn't really f like it or want to, to, be under, to fall under its, its rule. And, and uh, a way to do that and to depoliticize uh, um, they, uh, their in 
I mean, you say the center of power. No, no? I, I would no? say their loyalty to to, loyalty. Their le to to legitimate the state and to engage the people without asking them is to use the notion of heritage. Uh, and what is fascinating, what is very interesting, is that in Vietnam, as an example, uh, the word heritage, uh, Yisan, uh, uh, was taken over by a number of people who were uh, um, critical to the regime uh, in order to develop a counter-narrative under the name of heritage and <laughs> tradition. Uh, and, and, and so that's where heritage, and that's why we in my institute, we use the word heritage, because heritage is very much the, the, the language of official legitimate uh, um, uh, knowledge and legitimate uh, values and history. Uh, usually developed by and, and sanctioned by the state, so legitimate in this sense, legitimized by the state. And, um, and uh, well, we can use this notion by uh, claiming that, well, uh, there are other forms of legitimacy that needs to be, need to be uh, brought to, to bear. For instance, uh, in Thailand, the story uh, of Po Maharakan uh, uh, community in Bangkok, which was uh, which, uh, well uh, described by uh, Michael Herzfeld, uh, which shows that you have a community that is located right next to the palace. They, their presence uh, has been uh, troubling uh, the, the, the leaders uh, for, for years because they, they look messy and it's a small community and, and they, are, they are not very rich. And they need to be. They should be cleared out, and there should be a park. The, the the whole place should be sanitized. So these people have developed a very complex strategy to counter this argument of sanitization and <laughs> and the royal regal uh, space by claiming, look, we are we embody everything that is Thai and 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 royal and pure and perfect. And look, we do all this festival, we do everything well and so on. So they've countered the official discourse on legitimacy and heritage to claim that there is a heritage from below, from the bottom, from the community. And I think, okay, this is an example. There are many examples like that. And, and so we use heritage basically as a, as a code language. You recognize it as a tool. Absolutely. Yes. We, ha we, are, we are shameless in that. <laughs> In order to stir up uh, local engagement, I cannot say right. differently. Well, and it's and it's interesting too because I focus my research mostly in the diaspora, and heritage is everything. Heritage is all that some diasporas have, or their their notion of what it is that they're holding on to, right? That they imagine homeland and and um, right. And, and once you remove from that context, suddenly you realize what it really means to be Thai because you're in this sea of non-Thainess. Right, so, right. Yeah. And and heritage language. What does it mean to learn a heritage language? Right. Is it the same for Thai Americans as, as it would be for a fifth generation Italian American? Right. And 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 it's it's such an interesting thing to hear uh, the institute's perspective of what heritage is, and and of course I recognize it as a tool as well because people in the diaspora that is their main tool. Yes. It's, it's how they yeah. keep their children under control. It's how right. they right. Um, you know perform their identity. You have been very successful at the institute of of having. So, major donors and, and others participating in, in some of your projects. Why do you think they look to the IAS to help in some 
in some way save the humanities? Not alone, but... Well, <laughs> uh, no, we are just no contributing. Yeah, this is a bit <laughs> pressure. Uh, we, we see that you're wearing a cape. <laughs> uh, no, we just want to contribute modestly to the debate. Let's put it this way. But I must say that our position as an institution makes it possible to do things in a much uh, more creative way than uh, uh, institutions that are very much ruled by, uh, limited by, uh, or restricted by rules by, uh, you know, and, and that are, for instance, only uh, uh, able to, uh, to perform uh, teaching and very, very constrained forms of activities and or, or like this. if it required that you have to have uh you have to use a specific kind of university affiliation to to participate i'd imagine for you guys it, the 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 range of people you're trying to involve they might not be a professor or or doing yeah. their dissertation there there could be a they could be an artist they could be a weaver they could be a so so i get that that frees you up to think about to think about the humanities in a in a in a bigger way, you absolutely, think? absolutely, and and that's, uh, I guess this this gives us uh, maybe some kind of uh, luxury, uh, uh, a sense of luxury, in a sense that we can take issues uh, into their full uh, potential. Uh, in, in a way, we we are politicizing uh, scholarship, but not in a in a narrow way, but politicizing in the noble poli notion of police, policy, uh, the citizen, uh, we want to engage uh, the humanities in to their full potential in society. Uh, and, and yeah, we, we are, I must say, this is a unique situation as an institute to be capable of developing its own agenda. And, and we do it, of course, to, in, in to serve uh, academia and, and the community of scholars who work on and with Asia. But we want to do it in a way that it can also uh, contribute to to renew the, the terms of, 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 of scholarship uh, as it is developed uh, usually in area studies and beyond in, in, in humanistic uh, uh, scholarship. And a definition of, of the humanities that is that's much more inclusive than than some might be, don't you think that? Yeah, well, I, I worked for 10 years in Cambodia where, uh, you know, the university system was shattered and when there was no uh, institutional infrastructure. So then you ask yourself, what is the purpose of, of being a, an academic or uh, of a university? And, I will, you know, in 79, when the uh, Vietnamese troops uh, entered uh, Phnom Penh and they reopened they tried to reopen the University of Phnom Penh. They could not call it the university anymore because all the staff had been killed. There was no students. Yeah. So they called it a, a school of training for teachers. Mm -hmm. So university, what is the main original purpose of university? Is to teach teachers or teach trainers, right. train trainers. We've tent we can forget that uh, when we live in a very uh, structured and complex uh, uh, institutionally complex uh, environment. Uh, likewise, when you build a library, what what is the purpose of a library? I if it's not for a public space for for reading and exchanging and learning, so um, 
I think what I've learned from the Cambodian experience is the, the idea that scholarship and humanistic scholarship especially is about building and bringing meaning and, and a sense of purpose in, in, in the world uh, as, as we, we are as individuals in, in society. Sounds very... Uh, Yes. I speak like the Pope or whatever. Really? <laughs> <laughs> I am of the same faith. Um, so we're fine. Yes. <laughs> but I'll be um, sacraments. Right, right, right. Um, and, and that was the quote that I wrote down here in my notes. That said that humanities is how we assign meaning yeah. right, to, to the things around us and, and our environments. And it brought up uh, another part of our discussion earlier. I think it was over lunch or something that said the the economic model of higher learning, of higher education, right? Um, and you had mentioned in your presentation that uh, the the powers uh, that control higher education in Japan were very direct about the vocational duties of higher education as opposed to maybe the humanities, of understanding what it is to be human um, and, and we see that trend certainly here in Illinois and also elsewhere in the world um, where the, the push and pull between the political role of education versus the economic role of education. Are we creating and fostering citizenry or are we creating a well-trained um, labor force, right? Um, and. And I'm not. Sh I'm thinking. I'm just venting. I'm not sure where I was going with that. Eric, help me out. We're the Cambodia of. Uh, <laughs> we're 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 tearing them down to their base levels, and we're gonna we're gonna build up teacher schools from the from the ground up. Well, but and, and I think for 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 all three of us here, where we specialize in an area where we maybe we might have a harder sell uh, in the labor force, saying okay, what. Vietnamese uh -huh. history, Thai language, and history, and then Indonesian history. I think it's harder for historians in general and say, okay, yeah. <laughs> when when you know the power say, what are what are you doing? Yeah. You know, what what would your answer be to that? Well, I think first I will ask say you're at a budget hearing. Okay, but uh, I, well, no, that's a bit too too tough. <laughs> too tough. Uh, <laughs> it's maybe coming for us, so we're just <laughs> taking notes. Like, okay. No, but the question I. I one should ask myself is first of all is that um, on uh, you know how how in to what extent uh, 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 there is a level of anti-intellectualism that has been uh, able to to root itself in the public debate uh, for a government like the Japanese government, for instance, to say that uh, humanities, uh, humanistic and uh, humanities and social sciences uh, are no longer uh, are a luxury. And we can't afford anymore this luxury, and we people and people will not get jobs. So we should get the people to um, to focus more on vocational training. Okay. If a government is able to say that, and 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 being you know uh, without uh, shamelessly, uh, it shows the extent to which, in a way, we in the humanities, social sciences, have left ourselves um, prey. And, and in a way, we are partially responsible for that to this kind of uh, totally nihilistic uh, discourse. Uh, is Are we there, as you mentioned earlier, just for uh, uh, short-term utilitarian purposes? No. And, and this is a point. W uh, the the hum humanistic uh, knowledge is not about 
um, uh, delivering um, utilitarian, quantifiable uh, results. It's not results. about training the market f no, labor. Yeah. We are not training consumers uh, or future consumers or future uh, um, uh, laborers, labor forces. We, we, on the contrary, we want people to serve as, to act as citizen, and we want to endow them with the intellectual capacity to question and to uh, and and uh, well and to make sense to, to of, progress of yeah. and to progress very good point so uh, yeah, no i think uh, and and also there's another thing we need to to accept that what we try to convey to our students or, or um, is not something that is perfect uh, science perfect knowledge but there's no such a thing and and that's we uh, we we need also to accept that for thinking clearly, for, for uh, we need time. We need to reconsider and revalue the importance of time, the importance of interaction and sharing with people. All these elements that are not economically uh, the, quantifiable. The process, and we need to make the it The process, clear. not the product. Very good. Yeah. It's not counted in the number of patents or the number of, you know, when we compare STEM versus the humanities, you know, that's a, that's a, this ridiculous comparison the because it, no yeah, innovation the, in the, the humanities that somehow can be different. counted that way and like I, absolutely and you see for instance how the humanities humanities now are forced to follow uh the model for the the, the hard sciences we need to quantify quantify our yeah. production publication i mean this is uh, some people uh, in, if you read uh, max weber when he talks about scholarship in the early 20th century you had these these scholars in germany who didn't produce any book until late in their their career but they were given the time to to reflect and this this context has produced some great thinkers so now we produce billions of pages of of uh, uh, articles that nobody has time of, to read of unread things exactly and uh, and so it, at the end it, we are trapped into some kind of uh, crazy uh, production cycle thank I you uh, and, and <laughs> i always like the apocryphal quote from winston churchill that uh, when asked to cut fund funding for the arts for world war ii he sort of said well what are we fighting for then you don't g go to visit another country to you know the, the, the things that you memorialize the things that you treasure the things that you value of your own past aren't aren't often the uh you know found in the production line <laughs> no they're not at all there are other things that actually have meaning for for it yeah. is in a spiritual context in a in a in an emotional context yeah these are but sometimes it can be hard for uh, us to make that case in humanities but i think it's for pre-tenure faculty such as myself <laughs> <laughs> i just need time <laughs> but you make me think uh, i was just in italy and uh, i heard about another quote from churchill uh, who uh, they had to bomb this area of northern Italy, uh, the British, uh, uh, you know, um, what Air Force. And but uh, at some point he said, "Well, there's one place we need to spare, and this is where they are producing gorgonzola, the cheese." <laughs> and then they say, "You must be kidding!" You and they say, "No, no, no. This, you don't realize. This is one of the best uh, contribution of the Italy to humankind and human culture. <laughs> we can't do that." 
it will and okay and then so they developed a, sc- a, a, a process to spare Avoid gar- the, the production of gorgonzola that's uh, it's another yeah. it, it, it follows what you just said we in, need in more cheese way. loving leaders I think is yeah, the moral of the story a, that's one of the main <laughs> points that's very, exactly. West, that's very western yeah. it's true it's true The Council on Thai Studies Annual Meeting, or COTS, returns home to Northern Illinois University on Friday, October 28th and Saturday, October 29th. Friday night's reception features the world premiere performance of Thai Northeastern Bong Lang Music for Steel Pan in a joint performance by the NIU Steel Band and the Thai Cultural Fine Arts Institute of Chicago. For more information and to register, please visit our website at www.niu.edu forward slash C-O-T-S. See you there. What can participants expect if they attend a conference at IIAS? They, they seem quite different, and so give us a sense of how those differ in, in the ways that you're trying to run an actual conference in, in addition to inviting unusual participants uh, that we might find in an academic conference of, of all kinds of people who are interested in the praxis and and the application but but also the, just the way the conference runs itself well I should say first that we are not always the the iconoclastic institution that we we, we we are but we need also to give space <laughs> to more traditional ways right so we have traditional conferences with scholars, etc. But we will try, first of all, to define themes in a way that they are broad and inclusive enough for so that people with different backgrounds and different disciplines can feel that they should participate. Uh, uh, so that's one thing. And then in terms of the format, we will try whenever possible to, uh, to leave space for interaction, for debate for uh, discussion. And we've developed a very quite uh, uh, complex protocol to ensure that nobody is uh, uh, monopolizing uh, the discussion and that there are uh, maybe some, I would say, some um, progression in the discussion towards uh, some kind of collective or, uh, I wouldn't say agreement, but some kind of cathartic realization if I'm trying to be a bit uh, over um, yeah uh, what um, uh, idealist or, or <laughs> <laughs> but um, it's good to work toward though yes yes and, and well I think also as you mentioned we really try to make sure and, and, and I we are not ashamed about that to promote people from areas uh, of life that are Otherwise, we are not always uh, heard. So there is some element of, I would say, affirmative action in, in that we will try to make sure, for instance, that if we have a conference on something, whatever, on Asia, that it is not just dominated by Western uh, people. That's a simple thing. as Or people from uh, wealthy institutions in, in Asia. Mm. Uh, so for that, yes, we will try to engage and encourage uh, you know, young people, uh, uh, women, and uh, well, and minorities, etc., or small countries, place people that are often uh, we talked about countries like Cambodia, for instance, uh, 
they don't uh, necessarily make it uh, to the the mainstream uh, uh, areas of, of uh, or, or places for discussions just because they don't have access to internet, for instance. So how to remedy that? So you have sometimes to be proactive. Which I guess which follows on you have a lot of regional conferences. You have conferences that are that are actually in Asia, yeah, and in Africa that are about. They're not just all in the Netherlands. Very few of them. Oh yeah, well. Two thirds of our activities take place outside uh, the Netherlands or, or Europe. Yeah, uh, and and we very often we just contribute. We are not the main uh, leaders of, of the event, but of course we try to make sure that some of the points that we care for are uh, included. Uh, what else? Uh, well, I should mention the big conference that we had in Ghana. I keep talking to people about it because we, I was saying, we at IS are still uh, uh, digesting the, the consequence of this event. It was a very, uh, uh, first of all, to organize this event was a big, it was a big So this was, uh, a, this was appeal a Asian battle. Studies in Africa kind of conference? Originally, it was supposed to be Asian Studies in Africa, yes. That was the original uh, theme. But then we realized that we could not just talk about Asian studies. It was very much about establishing the space for intellectual interaction between Africans and Asians. Hmm. So we changed the 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 the, 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 the title uh, to the uh, I forgot now access a new access of knowledge uh, between Africa and Asia. But just to organize this event and to make sure that it was not going to be limited to uh, a subject on China in Africa or on. Right. Uh, international relation or economic uh, aid rivalry or, or aid, or exactly. We, uh, we really took a very, very um, uh, engaged role in that, proactive role. Uh, we went to meet very many institutions, many people. Across the board, we tried to reach out to, uh, let's say, the French-speaking African communities. We didn't completely succeed in that. We tried to uh, engage with different uh, people in Asia or in Africa, but in Asia, beyond China, beyond Japan. And uh, we also try to instill, uh, I would say, confidence among people uh, who are interested in the connections, even though they are not necessarily specialists on Africa, Asia themselves. But for instance, we have uh, you know, somebody who works on diaspora studies, for instance, uh, you could have gone there and discussed on a panel with people working on diaspora studies, uh, from uh, with people working with African uh, diasporas. Right. She wouldn't uh, be interested. No. The comparison, <laughs> uh, very so interesting. So many common threads. <laughs> and then at the same time, uh, we try to uncover the little rare uh, gem, gem, that gem that you find sometimes when you find, uh, uh, like uh, we found another guy, uh, an Irish scholar who was working in New York, uh, f he was in New York, I managed to meet him, who worked on uh, uh, the, the connections between Southern Indian and Ethiopian uh, early Christian uh, iconography in the 10th oh. century. Wow. And he was working with a group of people from Ethiopia. Uh, and a lot of the iconographic connections have, according to him, tra traveled between India and Ethiopia through traders, Muslim and uh, Jewish traders. Uh, so, you know, these kind of little connections are really rewarding. Like I mentioned earlier, also this Japanese archaeologist who found a Chinese uh, 
ceramic, uh, ceramics in uh, Western Africa, uh, dating from the 12th century. So, of course, we wanted to do that. We basically wanted uh, in this conference to, to, to show the wealth and the diversity and the possibility, the, the possibility, that's the word, uh, uh, that uh, uh, this access of knowledge could, could bring uh, to people. And, and, and I would say it, it, to organize that was a very difficult uh, process. We had to postpone the event because of Ebola. We had <laughs> all the institutions, a lot of founding Things you don't usually worry okay, about. I won't complain about. I <laughs> tell you, we, we, yeah, it was a nightmare. We had to, and we were very lucky to have uh, good partners in Ghana who uh, made sure that this, uh, this conference took place. And it was a great success. Everybody really had, a, I think, a great time there. And by the way, we brought in also uh, uh, different communities and we uh, within uh, Ghana, and we uh, had uh, music, we had uh, dance. Uh, nice. I mean, not to turn it into a cliche, but uh, that was a very spontaneous contribution of our hosts. We had this great event in the great hall of the university, uh, building built by the, the British before leaving, turn into a place for public discussions and then for uh, public dancing. And this was a really lovely uh, uh, experience with people from every background. Are you sure oh, Kanjana wow. wasn't running that party? <laughs> <laughs> you both missed something. I really did. When is the next one? Yeah, yeah well, we're talking Rhythm about the next one uh, in, uh, in, yeah, in two years from now. Okay. Uh, I'll be there. Please. <laughs> So our customary question, um, this is the the highest stake and um, serious of them all, is what is your favorite Asian food dish? Wow, that's a very tough question. <laughs> and As I said, is. this is the most <laughs> difficult so question. Yeah, that's... Well. And maybe a little story as to why it, how it became your favorite. Uh, okay, well, I can give you one story, but there will be many. Um, I love sweets. I have a weakness for sweets. And Southeast Asian sweets are very uh, dear to my heart. <laughs> and Indian sweets. And uh, I very much like a sweet from Bengal called uh, Mishti Doi, which is uh, uh, a cream. Yeah, it's a little, uh, I don't know, uh, a cream. It's ba made of... Um, I'm very bad at cooking. I just <laughs> know how... To enjoy it. So you know how uh, to eat it. Yes, exactly. I don't, think, I, I don't think I've tried that. And uh, me and my and my partner, who is a serious foodie, and uh, she's Japanese, uh, no wonders, uh, uh, we decided to call our cat Mishtidoi. Wow. So that's a serious uh, food story, <laughs> Asian food story. You love about. it so much yes. that you... It Yes, uh, our cat uh, reminds us of the great dessert. <laughs> and when we eat good dessert, we think of our cats. We'll, uh, <laughs> we'll try to put up a link to that. Uh, yes, on, on I, our, I have it up podcast. here on, on Wikipedia. Let, 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 let's see. What are we, right. Oh, you what found are, it. What are we I did, there? I did. Oh, wow. I, I if, if it's cooked well, it's cooked in, in this milk, clay pot. Milk, yogurt, sugar. In, mm. in oven for a long time. Yes. So the clay has absorbed part of the meat. Uh, no, I don't know clay, how to describe. Clay pot dishes, yeah. I yeah. think, right? has never 
I've never gone down that path and been uh, dissatisfied with anything that was cooked in a That's clay That's vessel. True. That's true. Yeah. I feel as though yeah. humans were onto something yeah. there when they decided to cook right. something. Did, did, in clay did, pots. did the, the Chinese help take away the clay pot from us by giving us better high fire porcelain? So. Yeah, I don't but know. They, for the Chinese still use clay pots yeah. for some <laughs> for dishes. Cooking. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> They're smart. Uh, uh, <laughs> and in Vietnam, one of the best dishes in in the south, uh, which is called um, well, now I forgot now, koto, tit heo koto, tit heo koto, or or ka koto. It's a fish or or, or pork caramelized. Mm. Uh, we just ate lunch in a too. clay pot. <laughs> Also, if it's well done, it's uh, also crazy. Clay ah, pots, yeah. Clay pots, okay, really, that's, that's truly where, where mm. all the good things are. Um, and I have a flyer here in my hand, which the listeners cannot hear, um, of an upcoming event in, in Thailand. But this, this is one that moves around, around the world. Can you tell us a little bit more about um, the International Convention of Asia Scholars? Yeah, okay, the, this uh, ICA, it's ICAS as an acronym, uh, is, uh, is a network which is meant to be, uh, as, as its name indicates, the, uh, a global network on Asian studies. And, and uh, every two years, you have an ICAS convention. Uh, um, most of the time, these take place in Asia, but now we have incorporated into the, the activities and the governance of ICAS the fact that Asian studies is not just uh, developed in Asia or in the West, but everywhere. So we have representatives from different parts of the world and different parts of Asia where Asian st- Asia is being studied. Uh, this means that uh, there's a, we alternate now between one event, ICAS event, in Asia and one outside Asia. We had that uh, in Hawaii. Uh, the most Asian part of the U.S., but also non-Asian, uh, technically, um, together with the, uh, our friends from the American Association for uh, Asian Studies. Uh, and then we uh, moved to Asia. And um, we had, the, after Hawaii, we had Macau. Then we had Australia, Adelaide. Uh, that was last year. And next year, in July, uh, I forgot the exact date. I'm very bad with dates. Uh, Yeah, from the 20th to the 23rd of July 2017. Yeah. Immediately following the International Conference on Thai Studies. Exactly. In Chiang Mai. In Chiang Mai, in Chiang Thailand. Yeah. And we work with our colleagues from Chiang Mai University. And we and our colleagues really want to make this event a great experience, like what we had in Africa, in a sense that it is not just a convention, it is not just people who artificially get together to present the paper and, and uh, as you say, quantify, their, evaluate themselves uh, as a kind of a meat market, as often people call these conventions, but a place where people will share, will have different forms of experience, and will get to appreciate the place, the host place, the, and not just the university, but Chiang Mai and the Northern Thailand and it's all the wealth of of uh, of people and and cultures and uh, of of uh, that part of mainland Southeast Asia. So that means including 
uh, artists, including uh, um, uh, crafts, uh, people, including uh, local publishers, etc. Excellent. I, I will definitely be there. And food. Um, and Thai food, food. Ah. Oh, of course. That's of course. <laughs> if you we'll go to sure Thailand and you don't eat, you are doing it wrong. That's right. Yeah. yeah. I, I it's I'm just going to pass judgment <laughs> when I try to restrain. So we'll put up links to, to not only this, but to the IAS and I'll say for, for about anyone who would possibly be listening to this podcast the, the in terms of the um, range of activities that the um, IAS is up to. Uh, their their newsletter is a particularly uh, 50,000 readers, yeah. which is... Worldwide. And they actually print, it, which which is such a novelty now. that You can get this. If you don't have the IAS newsletter, um, you, you sign up. You just... Uh, Check our website, www.iias.nl, N like Netherlands, L. And, and uh, you can subscribe. It takes you two, three minutes. And you can receive it online. You can receive it on, uh, in paper format. And it will be delivered to you. It comes out three times uh, per year, uh, freely, free of charge. And, and, and it's yeah. not... Uh, it's not uh, a brochure to a pamphlet to promote our activities. We do a little bit of that, but not so much. It is really uh, a periodical that gives us a glimpse, a sense of the trends of Asian in, in Asian studies state across the, the world. Mm-hmm. A state of the yeah, field. That's what I was going to say. Is where like AAS from the United States, which has a, has great publications. It's it's absolutely though for kind of North American scholarship. You can get your finger on the pulse, but. IAS is really if you want to hear what what Russians are thinking about Southeast Asia or what you know Brazilians are writing about Korea like this is this is the place where you can read that as well as just the, there's a, there's a there's and there's so many editorial kinds of voices you 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 obviously clearly have um, many different people who are working on coherent parts of it because it, it has these kind of different approaches that that, that span the disciplines and the the kind of um, um, from from kind of articles like you might see in a journal to uh, to comments reportings to kind of letter, letters to the editor type. Right. It's right. it's a really yeah, and we we collaborate with partners also. At the moment, there's uh, two sections uh, uh, that are uh, somehow developed by our partner in uh, in uh, Korea, Seoul National University and uh, at the Institute of Southeast Asia Studies in Singapore. They are uh, responsible to collect material locally and to bring them to the fore. And, and in the case of, of Seoul especially, they are uh, bringing material tr- and translate them into English. So it's a way also to make accessible yeah. uh, new scholarship that is not dev- accessible otherwise in, in, in English. And by the way, in at ICAS, uh, the next ICAS, ICAS 10 in Chiang Mai, we will have... Uh, a, a book prize, uh, the ICAS book prize is quite well known, but we will have book prizes that in a number of languages uh, beyond English and Japanese, Korean, Chinese, uh, French and German. And nice. maybe later we will expand, but that's quite a big start, I think. Excellent. Yeah, so a whole range of and, and of research clusters that, that, that scholars might be interested in or researchers um, and... Uh, I'll put in a personal plug for Leiden. It's a great city. It's the best city in Europe. <laughs> yeah, well, it's very charming. 
No, no, it's, it is. Uh, but I would say also that uh, I, I really hope that a number of our colleagues from NIU, because I think NIU is doing great job into trying to engage with uh, colleagues and, and, and partners in Southeast Asia. It is not just doing extractive uh, study and scholarship on these regions. I think, uh, well, I see potential for collaboration and I see also uh, that uh, NIU should definitely uh, benefit from participating in, in ICAS in Chiang Mai. Uh, yeah, we, we, would, we would love to and invite listeners to, to join us please. in Chiang Mai. Yes, we'll do a Khao Soi tour. Mm. It's going to be... F- no, no, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know enough. I do have a friend who blogs exclusively on Khao Soi, so okay, we can always wow. bring him along. He's an ethnobotanist as well. There we go. <laughs> really? Okay. Yeah. Well, but but thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Eric. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, safe travel.